Hello and welcome to My Chaotic Mind, the podcast dealing with the everyday difficulties of balancing adult life and eating disorder recovery. My name is Kaz and I shall be your host in this little corner of the podcasting world. It's important to mention I have no background or training in medicine, nutrition or psychology. I simply have my own very many years of lived experience. That said, if you're sitting comfortably, it's time to come with me through the looking glass. Hello, I do hope you're well and thank you for returning to listen to my podcast or welcome if this is your first time. I certainly hope it won't be your last. If there are any topics in particular you'd like me to cover or any questions you want to ask, you can contact me by email or DM and the details will be at the end of this episode and are also in the show notes. It always means so much to me when I know that one of my episodes has resonated with you or helped in some way, even if it's just making you feel heard and understood. In the last episode, I touched on the topic of compulsive exercise, and so I thought it would be logical to carry that theme on to this episode. I've never really spoken much about my struggles with this, but it's a huge part of my illness. Whilst I know that not everyone with an eating disorder also engages in excessive exercise, I know that many do. If this may be unhelpful for you, please skip this episode. As ever, I will do my best to avoid being triggering, but I will need to go into some details to fully explore and explain this topic. It always makes me laugh when people assume that I was into sport as a child. Nothing could have been further from the truth. PE lessons were the bane of my life. I was almost always the last to be picked for a team. The humiliating ritual happening on a weekly basis when everyone knew nobody wanted me on their team for anything. To this day, I'm not sure whether I was genuinely terrible at sports or if it was a result of years of having it drummed into me that I was rubbish which meant that I didn't even really try. When I got the opportunity to be fitted with a brace to realign my jaw, I bit the dentist's hand off. Pardon the pun. It was a brace that I knew would only complement my heavy block fringe and thick lensed glasses. I was more than willing to put up with any potential bullying in order to get 18 months off from PE. As it turns out, I wasn't teased at all, at least not that I can remember. The reason I suspect people think I'm quite sporty is because I am into fitness. I started ballet lessons at the age of four, giving up at 14 when I couldn't take any more of the harsh teaching practices my final dance teacher employed. I was never going to be a ballerina or even a professional dancer of any sort, Perhaps I could have been had I taken it more seriously from the beginning, but the career of a dancer is often a short one, riddled with injury. And I was never amazing at dance. I was good, but I wasn't standout. 
I've always loved dancing though and still do to this day. It's genetic. My mum is usually the first and last person on the dance floor. My compulsive exercise began gradually as I slipped into my eating disorder. Over the decades, it has taken several different forms. I've never really been much of a gym goer. During my first episode of an eating disorder, I was too young to have a membership. Once I was old enough, I wasn't able to drive. And since my parents liked to live out in the sticks, it wasn't possible to walk to one. I did go to a gym briefly during my period of recovery, but then I discovered pole fitness and the gym became obsolete. With this current relapse, I've never once been tempted to join a gym. I don't dislike them, but I knew that if I joined one, it would only make my obsession worse. I at least had the presence of mind to recognise this. Exercise makes me feel better, but not because it lifts my mood. It's because it soothes my anxiety and my fear of weight gain. This may make me feel better temporarily, but it doesn't last. I don't feel any sense of pride or accomplishment from it. It's a chore to be crossed off my list. Other than dancing and walking, I've never really exercised for pleasure. Even when I was going to the gym, it was more of a slog I had to force myself to do rather than anything that I looked forward to. I was doing it for the right reasons, to build muscle and tone up a bit, but it still wasn't fun. Walking has always helped me to clear my mind. If I have a creative block, then even a short stroll is usually enough to break through it. Thankfully, this means I have a fairly clear perspective on what healthy and unhealthy exercise looks like for me. I know the difference between walking for pleasure and walking to try and assemble my thoughts and walking purely to burn calories. Ask yourself if you're exercising because you really enjoy it or because you actually want to do it or if you're doing it because you feel you need to or to offset food you've eaten or intend to eat, or because you get anxious and agitated when you don't. It's likely, if the answer to these latter points is yes, your motivation is coming from an unhealthy place. I still walk for the wrong reasons, but I fully acknowledge this. I don't pretend it's to sort out my head or because it's better for the environment. I could reel off endless excuses as to why I should go out to walk, why I need to go out to walk, many of which may seem completely reasonable. At the root, it is motivated by my eating disorder. There were times in the past, many times, when I even convinced myself of these reasons. Yes, I might need to walk to my GP surgery, but... I don't need to take the longest and most circuitous route. At my most physically unwell, I was told by my eating disorder team that I wasn't fit to drive. This meant I more or less had no choice but to walk everywhere. Taxis are too expensive and I'm not good on buses. I'm terrified of missing my stop and getting lost something which has happened to me on more than one occasion. If you have an issue with over-exercising, this can be problematic. 
I'm not blaming the fact I was advised not to drive. This was absolutely the right decision and cars can kill. Living alone as I do, I had to walk to wherever I needed to go. This led to me manufacturing reasons to walk to places. I did not actually need to visit a supermarket every single day, but I planned my purchases so that this became necessary. Instead of buying food for a week, I was getting it on a daily basis. An exercise compulsion is utterly soul-destroying. I had to exercise every single day without fail. This often meant waking before 5am to ensure I could fit it in before work so that I didn't have to spend the rest of the day worrying about whether or not I would be able to fit it in. I went out in torrential rain, ankle-deep snow and high winds. There were so many times I'd be passing homes, looking up at the darkened windows, thinking how much I'd like to be snug in my bed asleep or eating a hot breakfast because I was bone cold. I wouldn't say that I had an exercise addiction. I got absolutely no pleasure from it. If you get a buzz from working out, whatever form that takes, then what worked for me may not work for you. I've missed out on so many social occasions because, for me and my eating disorder, exercising was a priority. We are constantly told that exercise will help us to manage our weight, lift our moods, improve our health. The key thing is that it needs to be in moderation. There is actually plenty of evidence that exercise has a minimal effect on weight loss. Reading about this really helped me to combat my compulsion. The reason I was doing it was to keep my weight down and seeing studies which demonstrated that this is not actually as effective as we've been led to believe over many decades really helped. Why have we been told that we need to exercise to help with weight management? Well, exercise does help with overall health. Secondly, research studies need to be funded and there are many, many corporations who benefit greatly from the belief that exercise will help with weight loss rather than reducing the consumption of their products. The fitness industry also reaps the rewards from this. Exercising incessantly is going to have negative impacts on your body. Some of these could end up being lifelong and continue even after you've recovered. If we don't take rest days, our bodies have no time to repair. Constant stress on joints, ligaments and tendons can cause all sorts of problems. At 42, I have issues with my knees, which I have no doubt have been expedited by my compulsion to move. The thing is, with an eating disorder, the long-term consequences don't matter, or at least not as much as they should. Fear can be an extremely effective motivator, and it was certainly part of the drive behind my compulsive exercise. The thing about fear is that once you turn and face it, it starts to become less and less scary. The urge to exercise can be driven by anxiety as well as by fear, so at first it can manifest as a helpful response to dealing with this. It can slip into an unhealthy obsession almost unnoticed. 
I've lost count of the times I've heard that exercising is good for mental health. I even told one GP I was doing it and they, despite knowing I had an eating disorder, praised me for it. Something I know other friends with eating disorders have also experienced. I've never rung a crisis team, but it seems that a walk and a bath are the answers to everything. For those who aren't enmeshed in an eating disorder, perhaps those things do help. If someone does encourage you to exercise, it can be extremely difficult to then resist that urge as the eating disorder will be screaming at you that it's proof you aren't exercising too much or you need to exercise or you obviously aren't that unwell. There are numerous ways in which an eating disorder can twist the situation but you need to try to keep in mind that any such encouragement probably comes from a place of ignorance. Extremely hard to do when the person making the statement is a medical professional and should, in theory, know better. Someone with an eating disorder may genuinely be eating a reasonable amount, but if they are exercising for hours to try to compensate, this is a very real problem. Just as orthorexia can hide behind the guise of healthy eating, an exercise obsession can hide behind the guise of health as well. And this can make it extremely hard to spot and extremely hard to challenge. The compulsion to move is not confined to formal exercise. I found myself constantly engaging in low-level movement, most of the time without even being aware of it. Low-level movement is things like jiggling your leg or taking repeated trips from one room to another when it could all be done in a single go. When you live alone, it can be hard to pick up on these things, particularly if they've become an ingrained habit. It can also manifest as constantly doing tasks for other people. An example would be offering to do the cleaning or ironing or to fetch something so that the person doesn't have to do it themselves. It can be easy for you to believe that this is an act of kindness or generosity and not realise that it's coming from your eating disorder and the drive to move. In some ways, I find this harder to tackle than actual exercise because it's pretty obvious, at least for me, when I'm doing exercise in inverted commas and much less obvious when I'm engaging in low-level movement. These days, when I get anxious, I may not go out walking or to the gym. Instead, I may find myself cleaning or some other kind of physical activity that I can carry out around my home. It's much trickier to pick apart the motivation behind this because my flat needs to be cleaned. The ironing has to be done and, sadly, it isn't going to do itself. Forget self-driving cars, produce self-cleaning homes and you will be set for life. I can tell the difference now, most of the time, but it's taken me a while to be able to spot this. 
When I'm cleaning to quell anxiety, I'm full of a nervous energy and I clean far more thoroughly than I need to. Don't get me wrong, there are times when I need to hoover under the sofa and wash down the skirting boards, but not on a weekly basis. When my cleaning is motivated by the need to, well, clean, I'm calm. I usually put on absolute 80s and treat my neighbours to an exclusive concert. I'm not entirely sure they appreciate that. I also do only what I need to do and don't go looking for extra things to clean. I don't hate cleaning, but I don't exactly enjoy it either. I enjoy the feeling of satisfaction I get once it's been done and the knowledge that, living alone, nobody is going to come through and immediately create a mess. How my mother coped cleaning a house with two dogs, two kids and a husband tramping through her newly washed floors, I will never know. The anxiety hasn't gone away. I'm simply employing healthier coping mechanisms. Mindfulness really does help. Or even talking to someone about my anxieties. Journaling can really help too, particularly if you live alone or with people who don't understand or aren't particularly supportive. You can write down all your worries and it helps to get them out of your head. I kept journals for years when I've been ill, but it's not something that I find I need anymore. It's always there though, and I found using pen and paper really helped. It made me feel connected with the words in a way that typing just doesn't. I've really had to police myself in trying to overcome my compulsive exercise. Several things have helped with this. I was so tired of going out in the cold and the wet. I was fed up with the voting time to exercise instead of doing things I actually wanted to do. I was done with feeling sore all the time. And my reason for exercising, to lose weight has been proven ineffectual. So really, why was I continuing to do it? So I stopped. It was a gradual reduction in the amount of movement I was doing. I still find myself getting agitated if I haven't gone for a walk. And sometimes I can't conquer this. It's still a work in progress. I've also taken up pole fitness again, and that's something I love doing. My focus is slowly shifting from being thin to being strong. I don't want to exhaust myself so that when I go to dance, I have no energy for it. I've also taken up yoga, which is good from a social perspective as I attend a weekly class. But the main reason for doing it is to improve my flexibility. I'm not picking these exercises to burn calories or control my weight or size. I'm doing them because they're things I really enjoyed. Another big help was exchanging my fitness tracker for a smartwatch. Yes, the watch can still track my movement to a certain extent, but that's not its primary purpose. And it's not as easily accessible as it was on my fitness tracker. It really helped me to reduce the importance I was placing into exercise. Some people may be able to just stop exercising. But this has not been the case for me. 
Just as the all-in approach to eating hasn't been suitable for me, the cold turkey approach to exercise wasn't going to work either. I've started introducing forms of exercise which I'm doing for genuine enjoyment and phasing out what I do to pacify my eating disorder. I no longer monitor the exercise that I do or set myself goals around this. I no longer force myself to walk everywhere. If driving is an option, I will take my car. I'm about halfway through my life. I've already lost so much because of this illness. I don't want to keep losing more. When I look back over the last decade, I don't remember what I weighed, how much I did or didn't eat or exercise. I remember the occasions I wasn't a part of. I recall the experiences I've missed out on. The older I get, the quicker time seems to pass. My hourglass is running out. I don't want to need surgery or joint replacements in my 50s and 60s because of this eating disorder. I don't bounce back as I did in my 20s, but I can still prevent any further damage. It doesn't matter how small the changes are, they do begin to mount up. And the sooner changes are implemented, the greater the benefit will be. I've never written out a specific pros and cons list of continuing to exercise, but I suppose I've pretty much outlined it all here. The cons far outweigh the pros, and many of the pros are flimsy and are blown apart at the slightest questioning. If you're struggling to reduce your exercising, writing out a list like this could be helpful for you. Seeing in black and white, or pink and white if you're anything like me, can help you to fully realise how detrimental this activity is and how much, deep down, the real you does not want to do this. Really question the pros. Examine them to make sure they aren't simply masking the eating disorder. Exercising may be good for your health, but this perceived benefit quickly crumbles when you take into account that you are doing it every single day or for excessive periods of time. I said in the last episode that even illness wouldn't stop me from trying to complete my daily quota of exercise. This is not normal. It's not healthy. It's not good. It can be really hard to tackle and to overcome compulsive exercise especially when we are constantly being encouraged to keep moving more and we're constantly told that exercise is beneficial. This message does not apply to you if you exercise compulsively, nor does it apply to you if you are not adequately nourished or if you're at an unhealthy weight. Exercising compulsively is a real problem and you will know if you are. You don't need me to tell you that you do it every day or for many, many hours at a time in all weathers at the expense of other more enjoyable activities and even when ill or injured.
If you cannot eat without extreme guilt unless you exercise, or if you are doing it to somehow compensate for what you've eaten, and you don't have to be underweight to have an exercise problem. This time last year, 2022, I wouldn't have been even able to contemplate cutting back on my exercise, let alone having days when I didn't do it at all. Yet here I am, in 2023, in a position I never would have thought possible. You may be listening right now and think, great for Kaz, I'm really happy for her, but that's never going to be me. I'm telling you, honestly, that's not true. It can be you. It will be you if you just start by making that one small change. It will be hard. It will be scary. But this will pass. That's what you need to cling on to. And you'll have so much more time to see the people you want to see. Do the things you want to do. And get on with living your life. And it's not forever. As you recover, you'll be able to engage in the type of exercise that you really want to do. You may discover that actually, you are someone who runs for pleasure. And I will never understand that. Or you may prefer to do bike skating or horse riding or lawn bowls. Perhaps there is a darts champion hiding somewhere within you. There could be something out there which you haven't even tried yet because your eating disorder has prevented you. You may also realise that actually you absolutely hate running and the gym is a place of torture rather than enjoyment and it's the illness which has convinced you that you like these things. I'll be honest, even at its worst, my anorexia couldn't get me to believe I wanted to take up running. If you ever see me doing it, I'm probably being chased by someone or something that's trying to kill me. And you know, that's exactly what our eating disorders are trying to do. When I had a brief stay in hospital in 2020 for my eating disorder... I did, for the first couple of weeks at least, have to completely stop all forms of exercise. When I did this, my entire body ached and I was exhausted. This was simply my body finally being able to let me feel the tiredness, the soreness that it had been hiding so that I could keep on exercising day in, day out. I'm mentioning this in case this is something you experience yourself. And if you do, it's completely normal. It will pass. And if you end up sleeping a lot more than usual, that's because your body needs it. This time, reducing the exercise gradually, I haven't experienced this to such a dramatic extent, but I have had aching legs in particular and I have felt at times very, very tired. And this is just because my body is being allowed time to rest 
and recover. I'm certainly not suggesting all forms of exercise should be given up. If you engage in a particular sport that you really feel passionate about, then there's no reason why you have to stop playing that sport completely. But you need to change the reasons for playing it. Have healthy motivation rather than unhealthy motivation for it. This just about brings me to the conclusion of this episode and I want to thank you once again for listening. I will link to the studies I read myself on exercise and its impact or lack of on weight loss in the show notes so that if you wish to check them out yourselves they will be available for you there. As ever please take very good care of yourself and I really hope you'll come back soon for the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of My Chaotic Mind. If you have enjoyed it, it would be greatly appreciated if you could take a moment to rate, review and share it with your friends. It's the only way to let the world know this podcast exists. If you want to get in touch, you can find me on Instagram at edpodcas or you can send an email to edpodcas at gmail.com. I do hope that you will join me for the next episode, but until then, take care. Bye.